and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, can you keep a secret? Keep a, keep a secret. Knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of the show. So we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about the topic of consent. I'm currently in St. Vincent in the Grenadines, and there was a recent case in the newspapers and across social media with regards to whether consent was present in a video that was seen, that was distributed by people via social media, WhatsApp and Facebook, because according to the video that people had seen, there were doubts as to the legitimacy of the allegation that was made and there were questions concerning consent. After hearing about this discussion and seeing something in the newspaper, having not viewed the video for the mere fact that it is a pornographic video, I feel it is appropriate for me to discuss the topic of consent. What exactly does it look like? Now, it's very difficult for me to share as transparently as I would like to do, because the reality is that there are people who lack knowledge, people who are ignorant, people who are judgmental. I say that because every one of us in this world, we are imperfect people. And often our experiences, our upbringing, our parentage, who parents us, mother, father, grandparent, aunt, uncle, whoever raises us and the things they teach us or say around us can impact and influence the way that we think impact and influence the attitudes we have, the prejudgments that we make. I feel that people, in my opinion, like to quick fix, like to put bandages or casts or plaster on a situation without digging deeper. Now, without going into the specifics of that particular case, because it is still currently ongoing, and I have to be careful because I would not want to be accused of slander or defamation of character, I will speak more generically on the basis of victims and survivors I have met personally who have been subjected to abuse. One of the first things I would like to say is if an individual, male or female, receives a video and that video contains nudity, contains sexual imagery, whether you know the person or not, I personally feel it is inappropriate for you to disseminate, to distribute that video, that material to other people. Number one, you do not know the circumstances in which this video was made. 
was there consent on the part of both individuals or if there are multiple individuals was consent given when we disseminate we are re-victimizing an individual if they were a victim and even if they were not the reality is videos and photos are being taken of persons engaging in sexual activity without their consent think about if you are in a marital relationship and your spouse makes a photo or video and disseminates that without your consent and that video ends up in the hands of your employer your family members how would you feel yes we may consider that wow it's my husband he wouldn't do that however just because you are married and you are convinced your husband wouldn't do that doesn't mean to say that you should be part and parcel involved in sharing videos of others because they're not married because they're fornicating because there's adultery that is not your place as the bible says vengeance belongs to god justice belongs to god whether or not we know the person in that video we should really put ourselves in their shoes and ask ourselves how would we feel i believe there are three versions to every story his version her version and the truth in the middle I cannot look at a person and say they are wholly guilty or wholly innocent. I cannot do that because there are reasons why a person does what they do. I'm not justifying their behavior whatsoever. I'm just trying to see things from the bigger picture from a bigger perspective. In fact, this makes me think slight digression of a prison inmate who I believe is still in prison who calls me. And when he calls, he asks me how I am I recognize the voice instantly and so my immediate response when I recognize the voice is I'm busy please don't call me private number I'm not available and then he will continue on by saying that he wants to marry me that he loves me that I shouldn't be in a relationship with a younger guy all this kind of talk that I don't appreciate now as I was thinking about him because he called recently within the last 48 hours he called me As I was thinking about him and thinking about those in prison and the fact that one inmate requested a radio from me I asked myself just today if I solicit funds from people to buy a prison inmate a radio will people be willing to give I think truth be told the majority of people are unwilling to give their hard earned money to a criminal who is incarcerated for a crime we do not know about so they can be entertained in prison However, for me, I was just thinking, if I knew that he, the person in prison, not the one who calls me, the person in prison who requested a radio, if I knew that he had sodomized, raped and murdered a 6-month-old baby, would I still buy him a radio? And I asked myself the question and I said, "Well, yeah, because I know him personally. I don't want to know his crime. I am not interested in what brought him to the prison." However, I know him we have I guess I would call it a working relationship a platonic relationship I've seen him I've engaged with him we've conversated and my interaction is positive why he's there I do not know and I'm not concerned for that on the other hand the prison inmate who calls me when I told friends about him calling me repeatedly they gave unsolicited advice I was not asking for advice I was asking for prayer because I am convinced we live and we move around in amongst a world that is 
spiritual and that we fight not against flesh and blood, not against people, but the spirit behind them. And so if we are fighting against spirits, it's the spiritual world, spiritual realms, then why would I need advice? Because it is the spirit behind him. And one of the advices I received was that I should block him, that I should be rude. And even though I had already stated that I block him, but that makes no difference, he calls from different numbers. I have another prison inmate who calls me frequently on WhatsApp, video calls. I do not answer under any circumstances. I have never answered his WhatsApp calls. When he calls me on my cell phone, because I don't recognize the number, I answer it's him and I say I'm busy. This inmate, to my knowledge, when he was incarcerated and subsequently released, he was in prison because he had committed an infraction against another person. I believe that it may have been his partner romantically and or another individual. But what I will say is that his character that caused him or the character defect that caused him to be in prison involved violence. And so knowing that, having that knowledge to hand, I would not be rude to him, disrespect him or put down the phone. I will simply not answer his calls. And when he calls, I actually am busy. It's not a lie. I am busy. And I do engage with him a little bit because our interactions are different. I speak to him. I ask how he is, whatever. We have a respectable conversation and I engage because of the nature of our interaction. However, the way that I feel about this particular inmate, blocking him is not a good idea. By not blocking him, when he calls, I can see it is him, it is Mr. X calling, and I can screen his call. That is one of the challenges with blocking people. When you block them, they can just get a new number. Another unsolicited piece of advice I got was to change my number. I am not changing my number. That is not going to happen. My number is disseminated to the public. It's given out on TV, radio. I'm not changing my number. And even if I change my number, there are women I have heard of and even communicated with providing support in my paid work who have had the perpetrator, the ex-boyfriend, the spouse, the former spouse, find their new number and continue to harass them. I prefer to be in control by not blocking. I prefer to keep my number than changing it. That doesn't solve the problem. And actually someone said, well, you shouldn't complain about it if you're not willing to, to block them and respond appropriately. I don't appreciate those kind of remarks and that is not supportive and that is not friendship because at the end of the day, we as people, we communicate, we express how we feel. It is not necessarily a complaint. It is coming from a place of hurt, a place of frustration. It is a person expressing how they feel. And for a victim survivor myself to express how I feel, nobody has any right to shut me down and say, you're complaining. I'm expressing something. Changing my number serves no purpose. He doesn't ring often. Maybe he rings once a month, once every two weeks. I've not heard from him in so many months, I forgot about him. I have to answer private numbers because of the nature of the work that I do. The reality though, what I want to say is that people are people. No matter who a person is in front of us, we don't know what skeletons they have in their closet. And I say that because we can judge on the basis of a person's past or present, they're in prison, they are persistent, they are demanding, controlling. We can judge on the basis of that and make assumptions. And on those assumptions, not presumptions, on those assumptions, we create a whole story, a scenario in our head. And I really would implore you to not do that. 
This prison inmate, I believe he's in prison. I don't know his infraction. I don't even know if I know his real name. I have a first name. I've never recorded our conversations. There is no way for me to prove who he is or that he's in prison. This is just my discernment, my wisdom, my knowledge, my understanding. He is incarcerated. Me reporting him to the prisons, not being funny, he's using an illegal phone. So that again was unsolicited advice. Hi prison, there is an inmate who calls me, says he wants to marry me, says he's in love with me. Can you do something about it? Well, obviously not if he has an illegal phone. And even when he called within the last 48 hours, when he called, he said, dude, did you miss me? I'm thinking, are you serious? I told him by WhatsApp message, you don't know who I am. You have seen me physically. That is just the outward appearance. I have flaws. You know absolutely nothing about me. And then he started to curse me out, disrespect me. And I completely forgot about that because I move on. But when one of my friends said to me, stop complaining about it, block him and be rude. Number one, she was wrong to respond so harshly and without empathy that actually he has disrespected me. And I said, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to block him. Why? Because what if he needs my help one day? She said, let him find another lawyer. I disagree with that. What a lot of people don't realize is when you respond like that, it is not appropriate. And I'll say that because I used to work for Samaritans. People would call up Samaritans when they're feeling suicidal or depressed and we would listen to their problems. When we answered the phone, we'd answer very softly. However, there were men who would call up and would masturbate on the phone. And when that would happen, we would say, we're going to have to end the call and we would hang out. We would let them know, why do we do that? And not just hang the phone up because when that person is feeling suicidal or depressed, we want them to call us. We don't want to shut the door. And so for me, yes, he's overstepping boundaries. Yes, there's a lack of respect. Yes, he's not right in the head. I will say that because of the nature of his communication. He may have a split personality. But as a lawyer, as a professional, as a Christian, I do not want to disrespect him for the mere fact that maybe he has been through some trauma. Maybe he's been abused and I'm the only person he can relate to. Maybe. It doesn't mean I'm going to meet him. Doesn't mean I'm going to go to prison or hang out with him or talk to him on the phone. But I don't want to shut the door because I believe that we each have a plan and purpose and calling on our lives. And if my plan and purpose of being in Simmons and the Grenadines is to be salt and light in his life, obviously at a distance, then I will do that. At the end of the day, the Lord has a calling for me. He placed me in that prison and I believe all things work together for good. There is a reason why I have to endure this. Everything we go through, the Bible says you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Going back to the video though, as I was sharing about a video being disseminated and about people judging, people sharing and disseminating, distributing that video. As I said, it is not appropriate because you don't know the circumstances. In addition, being very, very transparent here, we as lay persons cannot watch a video and determine if the people in the video consented to being recorded, one. Number two, how can we say categorically that the people in the video did not consent to the sexual activity? Because when statements are being made that the person lied, that it was not rape, it was not sexual assault, that the person enjoyed it, I have issue with that. And I say that with tremendous caution here. I have met 
and spoken to and read books of victim survivors who were sexually abused. And, and please hear this carefully, when they were sexually abused, they enjoyed the sexual activity. Hear that carefully. They did not enjoy being abused. That is something they did not enjoy. They have lost control. They have been violated. The sexual activity was enjoyable. Let me break it down. Let's say that you're out. It's a hot day and you're thirsty and somebody comes up to you and pours water down your throat. Okay. They come up to you without your consent, put the glass to your mouth and pour water down your throat. You are thirsty. They've poured water into your mouth, not your ear or your nasal cavity into your mouth. You were thirsty. Water went into your mouth. That water will quench your thirst. You did not consent to them pouring water into your mouth. You did not agree to that. They did that. Your thirst was quenched. And as a result of that, when you continue to walk in the hot sun, you looked rejuvenated. Think about it. Does that mean that consent was given? Let me say it as it is. Just because a person enjoys a sexual activity performed on them does not mean consent has been given. Rape is rape. Rape is the absence of consent. Think about it. Rape is the absence of consent. Rape is not the lack of enjoyment. It is very difficult for people to get their heads around it, but that is really ridiculous because think about it. If you're thirsty and somebody gives you water, your thirst has gone. When people are surprised by that, I don't get it. We are human beings. I wouldn't say we're sexual creatures because that's not the case. There are people who are not sexual creatures who have no interest or desire or thirst or need for sex. But the reality is, if you go outside and it is cold and windy, your hairs will stand up on edge. You can't control that bodily reaction in the same way. If a person pours water into your mouth, it will quench the thirst. You can't tell your head, don't be quenched, don't be quenched. Of course not. You're thirsty. So when they pour, your brain, your mouth, your esophagus, your body is receiving the water. You're going to be cooled down. Your thirst will be quenched. You can't tell your brain, still be thirsty, still be thirsty. It doesn't work like that. And that is the thing. We have a lack of knowledge. The Bible says people perish for lack of knowledge. Just because a person doesn't get their facts straight or their details correct does not mean they're lying. Even we as people who've not been assaulted, raped, attacked, we sometimes get our days mixed up. We mishear things. We misrepeat information. If a person says, I was raped by X, by Y, I was raped, the video you are watching, the video you have seen that was disseminated, I was raped in that video. However, the video was edited so you didn't see the times when I was screaming, etc., etc. Think about it. There are instances when a person will pretend they will pretend. We have prostituted women when they are with the customers, if I can call them that, these prostituted women will pretend to enjoy it. They will smile and look happy. It is called acting. 
In the same way, think about a child. When a child is being beaten, corporal punishment is used. That child may withhold their tears. They may not move an inch. They may just be very stone-faced. In the same way, a person may be a victim of rape or sexual assault. A video is disseminated and it appears as though they're enjoying it, but maybe they are faking that enjoyment so that the person will decease. So the person will stop. When I, I mean desist, they will not continue. That's the point I'm making. Because think about it. If a person is doing something to you and you cry and they get kicks out of you crying, the alternative is not to cry. So if you know that your husband or boyfriend likes when you cry and he or he or let's say it's a fa family member, a female family member, that person perpetrates physical abuse against you because domestic violence is not just limited to a husband or boyfriend. It could be female family members, relatives. If they perpetrate abuse against you and you know that they like to see you emotional, well, what do you do? You don't cry. Because when you cry, it will motivate them to continue to hurt you. But when you show no emotion, they get bored and stop. In the same way, sometimes survival is to pretend that you're enjoying it. It's to pretend because you know if you just smile, grin and bear it, it will be over. Rape exists even in the confines of marriage. What I mean by that. Marriage does not include rape, but there are men who will rape their wives. In fact, there was a woman who shared in one of my Zooms and she said on her wedding night, she was very young in her early 20s, on her wedding night, she engaged in sexual activity with her husband. There was an absence of consent and she was in severe pain because her husband had indeed raped her. At the time, she did not realize that. But thereafter, she realized something was seriously wrong on my honeymoon, and that was rape. Just because a person is married, and just because the Bible says that you're no longer your own, your wife is for your husband, your husband's, wife, husband's body is for his wife, does not mean to say you have complete control. If the Lord himself gives his people free will, what more his children, what more his sons and daughters exhibit in free will? We need to appreciate free will. If a person chooses to do something or not to do something, we need to stop labeling that person as selfish. That person has free will. They have the choice as to whether or not they will engage. It's that simple. Free will. However, there are instances when our freedom of choice is taken away from us when we are subjected to bodily invasions. So I want to reiterate and I want to repeat. If you receive a video, do not make assumptions on what you see or hear because things are not as they may seem prima facie on the evidence before you. You do not know what was said before and what was said after the taping of that video. For me, I do not ever watch videos people send me unless you have specifically explained to me what it is and I trust you. I do not open videos or photographs on my phone under any circumstances. Even when I know what the photograph is, 
because of the way WhatsApp works, I have a fair idea of what it is. And oftentimes I can work it out. Okay, it's a picture of you. I don't open it. When people video call me, I don't do video calls under any circumstance. I think the only exception is when I video call my mother. My grandmother, we don't video call, but my mother on occasion, maybe to show her new hairstyle, video call. Particularly when it is a man or a male, I will not be accepting any video call. Number one, I want to point out, these men have not even got my consent or permission to video call me. You don't know where I am. You don't know what I'm doing. I may have just come out of the shower. I don't take video calls. You did not ask my consent. Why are you video calling me? After all, when I answer the phone, the phone is beside my ear, not in front of my face because I'm not going to be on loudspeaker. In addition, even if it is a child or a young person, I do not answer video calls. I do not want to be exposed to pornography, let alone child pornography. We need to apply wisdom. We need to stop following the crowd and behaving like blind sheep. We need to make a stand. Doesn't matter if the person is male or female. If you receive a video, why are you watching that? What even more confuses me is when a person watches said video, they write up on Facebook what they've seen and tell people, DM me, I will send you that video. I think people, particularly in Trinidad and Tobago specifically, don't understand or respect privacy. They don't consider for a moment how they would feel if it was their video. Whether or not they consented, it's besides the point. It is private. It is between you and the other person. But for some reason, it seems as though in said culture, they don't see it that way. So please, I am really pleading with you. Videos and photos, take caution before you open any photo or video. Don't be disseminating nude photos and nude videos of a person. It doesn't matter who they are. Please don't do that. It is not okay. If the person has consented, that is a whole different thing. If they've said, you can share my nude photographs, you have free will to do so. But please don't be doing that. And take a step back. Stop judging. Stop quick fixing. Stop giving unsolicited advice. Listen more, speak less. And stop trying to put band-aids and plasters on situations. When somebody expresses something to you, Instead of coming with your advice and opinions, why don't you listen to them? Why don't you hear them with two ears and with one mouth? Speak less, listen more. Do not judge unless you wish to be judged by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And have a heart and attitude of compassion. Because if the shoe was on the other foot, how would you feel if you were in that very same situation? Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education, and when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me, so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another, and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, 
changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world, you just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. Thank you.